0: This podcast is part of the Tremula Network, adventure and outdoor podcasts off the beaten track. To find out more, head to tremula.network or find us on socials. You're You're listening to Seize Your Adventure, the podcast that shares stories of adventure and outdoor living with epilepsy. On the 5th of July 2017, I arrived in San Sebastian on the northern coast of Spain. I had my boots on my feet, my bag on my back, and enough medication for two months safely tucked away inside. I felt ready to walk 500 miles. Hello, adventurers. Fran here. And thank you all for joining me today. I have to say, I'm a little bit nervous about this podcast because today you're going to be listening to my story. So this is the story of my first seizure, my epilepsy diagnosis, and me walking the Camino de Santiago. Listening back to the music from the Camino and writing up my story, it made me realise exactly what that journey meant to me. So hopefully this podcast will give you a bit of a taste of that journey. I hope you enjoy it. It started as a rush of voices in my head. And then my vision went white and I was falling through fog. The next thing I remember, I was sat on the sofa in my house. My head was pounding. I felt sick. It was another few moments before I was concerned that there was a paramedic in my house. That was my first seizure. I was 22 years old and in the last year of university. There was no history of epilepsy in my family, so it was a bit of a shock. I'd had what's called a tonic-clonic seizure, the very dramatic ones where you fall to the floor and shake. It had only lasted for a couple of minutes, but I still have a good half an hour of my memory that disappeared into that fog. But the doctors sent me home from the hospital And told me not to worry about it. It was a one-off and would probably never happen again. About a year later it happened again. This time I was sleeping when it happened. I went to bed without any clothes on and I woke up with some sensors on my naked chest. There was a mask over my face and a paramedic leaning over me. They whipped me away in an ambulance, asked me some questions, did some tests. Over the next couple of months, I had various EEGs, ECGs, MRIs, and all of the other tests with letters, and they didn't find anything. They told me not to worry about it. It was so far away from the first one, it will probably never happen again. And then it happened again. This time, there were some signs that something was wrong, but I didn't recognise them as warning signs. I was having auras, partial seizures, which, for me, was that rush of voices in my head. Auditory hallucinations created by my misfiring brain. This happened several times, but I would pause, and the voices would pass me by. So I did what any sane person would do. I ignored them. Then, one day at work... I heard these voices and then I lost time. I was in one room of the building and suddenly I was in a completely different place. I felt sick, I had a headache and I went home as quickly as I could. When I got there, I turned to my boyfriend. I think I've just had a seizure. That evening I had a cluster of them and I was finally diagnosed with epilepsy in April 2015, four years after my first seizure. It was from the moment they told me I can say I have epilepsy that I became more distanced from the phrase. I started taking medication, I take it twice every day, and I haven't had a seizure since my first dose. I barely noticed my one-year seizure-free mark, Maybe it's because walking has always been my preferred mode of transport anyway. It wasn't something I was really counting down to. But it was not long after that anniversary that the UK referendum happened, and I took that with far less acceptance than my epilepsy diagnosis. After the referendum, I felt like I needed a walk to clear my head. I needed a really long, difficult walk. And with my seizures under control, I saw no reason I couldn't do it. On the 5th of July 2017, I arrived in San Sebastian on the northern coast of Spain. I had my boots on my feet, my bag on my back and enough medication for two months safely tucked away inside. I felt ready to walk 500 miles. Finding the first albergue was like finding a speakeasy for the pious. It was housed in a school and the entrance was guarded by three monk-like men, there to take details and donations in exchange for the seyo the stamp that pilgrims collect at each hostel. When I walked in and handed over my pilgrim passport, with its virgin white pages, I felt I was somehow being weighed and measured. As a godless wanderer, I can't help but feel the men saw a frantic, solo Englishwoman and found her wanting. When I stuttered, "Habla English? The response was a Cheshire Cat smile and the slightest shake of the head. The meaning translated clearly, not here. It is not the way. Instead, one of them took me inside, telling me it was Tukasa, my home for the night. I chose a bed towards the edge of the room and I lay my sleeping bag out on the blue plastic mattress. I felt nervous. Nobody in that room knew that I had epilepsy, and I wasn't sure if I should try to tell them, especially if they only spoke Spanish. So I placed my In Case of Emergency tag nice and clearly on top of my bag with the Spanish Tengo Epilepsia face upwards. I took my tablets, I checked what my guidebook said about the next day, and I fell asleep. The next morning... I attached myself to a father and son from Madrid. Their names were Fernando and Fernando. As we walked, they told me to look out for the Fletcher Amaria, the yellow arrows that soon enough I could pick out from any background, and I saw them in my sleep. But the Fernandos were much fitter and faster than me, so they were soon far ahead. The path took me away from the sea and up into the mountains of the Basque country. From the lizards scattering at my feet, I knew I was a while behind the next hiker. At a stream, I stopped to fill up my water bottle, and I was soon joined there by another pilgrim, an American. It was somewhat of a relief to be able to speak to her without feeling my tongue was tied, and we exchanged our stories. But we were soon separated again, each of us hiking our own hikes. On my hike... There always seemed to be more up. My bag was heavy on my hips. I flopped down in the middle of the path more than once when the soles of my feet throbbed with the pressure they were under. But I couldn't give up, literally. I had no idea of how to get where I needed to go except for to follow the Fletcher. So I kept walking and walking until I returned to the sea and saw the town I was staying in that night. It was busy at the albergue. Some pilgrims were washing their clothes, some of them were plastering their feet, and one of them, I had to do a double take to make sure I wasn't hallucinating again. One of them was playing a didgeridoo. I went out to dinner with an Englishman, a German, and an Italian. It sounds like the start of a joke, but as we ate the entire contents of the menu, we asked each other the question that would carry me all the way to Santiago. It was a question I had been asked before I left, often accompanied by an aghast face. But now it was slightly different. Why are you walking the Camino? The emphasis on you. We were all there because we understood the power of walking. And I realised my answer came down to three words. Brexit and epilepsy. I thought that was a nice and simple answer, but there were always follow-up questions. And it surprised me that they were mostly about the epilepsy. What's a seizure like? Do you take medication? What do I do if you have a seizure? And aren't you scared? And I would answer, perhaps with my own Cheshire Cat smile and shake of the head, No, why should I be? I had to stop a lot in the first days. Most of the time, I could rest on a bench in the small villages I walked through. The locals were familiar with pilgrims, many of them had been one. I would gratefully accept the gifts they offered. I remember the juicy peach on the second day, eating it down to the pip as the man who gave it to me mimed his warning about the mud I would find in Galicia. My daily distance grew, and each day took me through so many varieties of landscape. At times, I barely noticed when all I could focus on was the next step. I gained blisters on the tops of my big toes, which is a bit of a unique place to get them. The blisters throbbed and throbbed until my feet got so tired that that pain engulfed the throbbing. On the harder days, I entertained myself. I didn't listen to music, but an out loud rendition of an English folk tune was once interrupted by a buon camino from a passing cyclist. Well, I walked all the day till I came to some rich farmhouse, and I knocked on the door. No, I don't think I had the energy to be embarrassed. Singing out loud helped me somehow. And I would always arrive at the Albergues cansado, pero feliz, tired but happy. And I said, Kind madam, will you pray for and remember the poor? After about a week, walking felt better than staying still. I felt like I belonged out there on the trail. Time took on a new meaning, with hours stretching out behind me. Pilgrim time saw me rising at dawn and asleep not long after the sun itself. But the time between was filled with conversations with strangers, interesting trails and a different culture. And when I fell asleep each night, I felt like I had lived a life in that day. As I was hiking... The same people would appear as we crossed paths. But there were certain people who everyone had heard of, even if they hadn't managed to meet them yet. Some walkers became rumours that echoed up and down the trail. Have you met the guy that was carrying a didgeridoo? What about the German guy who slept under the tree? And it was about three weeks in, when I introduced myself to someone and they said to me, Oh, you're Francesca? that I realised I was one of those people being talked about. People seemed to find it strange that I could be out there, just me, and my epilepsy. And whilst I was somewhat honoured to be alongside didgeridoo guy and sleep-under-a-tree guy, it made me quite sad and a little bit angry. Why should it be strange that someone like me should be out there alone? But I wasn't the only one. One evening, I was having dinner alone and enjoying the fact that the waiters always gave a bottle of wine for the table, even though there was only one of me that night. As I sipped the glass and filled my stomach, a middle-aged man walked up to me. He stared at me, and he pointed at my chest. And just as my defence mode was about to kick in, he said, Epilepsia. I looked down and realised I was wearing my epilepsy research top, and it clicked. In Portuguese, English, and a lot of hand gestures, we had a conversation about epilepsy. I listened and looked as he talked about the seizures he had as a child. He was so happy to tell me that I realised how important it is to talk about it, and I knew that it was okay for us to be there. Despite all the food I was eating, I was getting leaner. The ups and downs became the best bits, and soon enough I had reached a point on the trail where the route splits. I could keep following the coast along the official norte, or I could veer off into the mountains of Astorias on a route called the Primitivo. It is the oldest of the Caminos, and it's the hardest route into Santiago. As I turned on to the Primitivo, I paused at a table set up by the lady who lives in the house on the split. I took some fruit, left her some coins, and was lucky enough to meet the lady herself. I gave her a gracias, and I left with a hug and a bon comino, and a new word on my tongue to describe the house that had been in her family for generations. Antigua. I was still like a child with Spanish, but the words were slowly finding their way. The Primitivo brought new pilgrims to walk with, and some of them had just started their journey. When they were on their first day, I was on my 20th day, and they looked at me with the same eyes that I used at the start, whilst walking with Fernanda and Fernando. I helped them navigate the terrain, and I promised them that it would get easier. One woman said to me, Tu eres poeta, You are strong. It is a mantra that I still repeat to myself. After five hundred miles, my pilgrim passport was full, and I walked into Santiago de Compostela. And all of my reasons for hiking, Brexit, epilepsy, they all faded away and I'm just left with the memories from that walk. I think that epilepsy, more than most chronic conditions, it has a danger of making us wish our lives away because we need to track our seizures And because we have limitations placed on us depending on how long it's been since our last seizure, we are constantly counting down our days, our weeks, our months, even our years. 24 hours without a seizure and I can get on a plane. One year without a seizure and I can drive. Two years until I can skydive. I would have to be 10 years seizure-free and off of medication before I can fly a commercial plane. We are always looking to the future, or worrying about the past, rather than being in the moment. So much of our life is governed by that big, what if? What if I have a seizure? But there was no room for that kind of thinking on the Camino. Because in the end, there's only one way to walk to Santiago. One step at a time. With two months of walking, it's obviously very difficult to sum up that journey in 20 minutes. But as much as I didn't want to be one of those people that came back and said the Camino changed their lives, it really did change my life. It's why I'm sat here talking to you all today. And the reason that I chose this month to do my podcast is that it is one year since Seizure Adventure was launched. So this month, I'm going to be doing a lot of things to celebrate that. I'm going to give you the chance now to ask me some questions, because just as I've done with all of the other writers, I'm going to have an interview for myself in the next podcast. If you'd like to ask a question, either send it in an email, just writing hello at seizureadventure.com. If you'd like to actually be on the podcast, you can record yourself. Just voice recording or video will do as well. It'll be great to actually hear some of you. As you all know, money isn't the reason that I do this. It's not the reason that I do the website. What I'd really love for all of you to do is share this, rate it, review it, If you do want to contribute in a more financial way, the website does have some merchandise and there is also a button there to make a donation. So those donations will obviously go towards the RSS feed for the podcast and the uh, website costs. Don't forget to send those questions across to me. I can't wait to hear from you all. And until next time, safe adventures, everyone.